good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The following show is just horrifying. Beware. Carry on and plan the sequel, cause let's face it, baby, these days you gotta have a sequel. And welcome back to Micro Queers. It's your monthly queer horror short roundup, and I'm Joe. And I'm Trace, and we are discussing Rob Savage's Dawn of the Deaf. And um mm-hmm. That title is probably, honestly, when you finish the short, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a dead giveaway, isn't it? It is, but oh man, did I love this short. Yeah, there's something to be said for very slickly well-funded shorts, because they do tend to stand out in comparison to some of the other ones that we've covered. But maybe before we talk about how technically great this short is, we'll just quickly cover the premise. So folks, if you have not watched Dawn of the Deaf, the premise is when a strange sound wipes out the hearing population, a small group of deaf people must band together to survive. And spoilers... That is not what this short is about. Yeah. (laughs) This short is a proof of concept for what that premise is, because this is one hour before this catastrophic event more or less turns all hearing people into zombies. And we're getting slice of life vignettes from four different deaf people uh, leading up to the catastrophe. Yes, I'm actually really angry that I read that plot synopsis. I'm sorry, that log line before <laughs> I saw the short because it primed me to expect something. And so when the short ended, I was like, no, I want more. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the cold open to a zombie film. And then it ends. And, you know, Rob Savage is very much on the record as saying, I plan to use this as my proof of concept. I plan to make this a feature. Newsflash, he has not and likely will not because, of course, he's off making other found footage slash screen life films. So I think the time for this has passed, sadly, and this is likely all we're going to get. Yes. And everyone, of course, I mean, if you didn't recognize Rob Savage's name, he is the director of the movie Host, the uh, Zoom call horror movie that uh, really took the world by storm at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, recently Dashcam, which came out in June, which is his follow up. Yes, yes. Um Yes, that movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Controversial. Yeah, we're gonna skip past that. Um, yeah. But yeah, so but let's talk about this because yeah, this um, I don't know what the budget was for this, but I mean they're like clearing out streets and shit. This on a purely like technical level is fantastic and actually does some things that I haven't seen before. Specifically, and I'm sure you're gonna know what I'm saying is the uh, the use of subtitles in that rotating camera scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a standout scene that takes place in an incredibly busy London underpass, like it's a subway entrance. And Mm -hmm. to me, it's on par with the opening of 28 Days Later. Interesting. And see, my mind was actually going towards Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, but yours is actually going to be more accurate because it's a bit more subdued (laughs) than that Snyder scene. Well, they're also both set in London, so I think it lends itself a little bit more naturally because it's set in the same exact area. 
Yeah, exactly. And so let, let's talk about our, our four characters, right? Um, so yeah, we, we have uh, we have one queer girl who uh, is struggling with uh, with public displays of affection with her girlfriend. Um, mm-hmm. We have a man who is accepting a, an award uh, and using his uh, what does he say? "Quote unquote" real voice uh, to talk to everyone. Mm-hmm. We have a oh god, a upsetting story about a girl who is being molested by her stepfather. Yep. And then we have these kind of like I guess what iPhone footage of these guys that are just harassing deaf girls, which Joe was really giving me the quiet flashbacks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I I think it's interesting because it's providing different experiences of what living with deafness is like, you know, in some cases, it's just struggling to make a relationship work, you know, there's nothing particularly revelatory about a deaf experience with the two women who are having this affair. And then of course, we have something really horrendous, where it's like, I'm just trying to walk down the street, and I'm being pranked by a couple of assholes who think that it's really funny that I can't hear them coming up behind me. Yeah, that, that, that's something, and even back in that episode of The Quiet, where I'm just like, I, I have never witnessed people making fun of deaf people in front of me, and so I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it's one of those things where I'm like, why? Why are you doing this? Ugh. Because of otherness, Trace. I mean, yep. people are oh, no, assholes I, to anybody who's not like them. I know you, I know that was more of a, yeah. <laughs> I know that was more of a rhetorical question, but. No, yeah, no, I, I got it. Um, but yeah, so, um, I don't know. Go ahead, Joe. What are your thoughts on this? okay so maybe let's talk about some of these technical details because Mm -hmm. i think at the end of the day the actual production is maybe the most successful aspect of the short like the stories themselves are well acted they are interesting but they're also quite brief because we're dividing our time between four stories and this short is under 12 minutes so here's some interesting details trace so we speculated about the cost this short cost 7,000 pounds, and it was shot over five days with more than 500 extras. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so there's, this is like a minor feat for getting this off the ground. And I think it's a testament to Rob Savage having not just the right connections, but also being able to handle large-scale productions, which is honestly kind of impressive because we've seen him do very small affairs with host and dash cam where you know yeah they're they're technically well put together but they're relatively small scales in terms of the actors and what he's trying to achieve so in a way this impressed me more than his features i am inclined to agree right and like you and i are both on record as loving hosts and everyone go listen to our patreon episode on that if you haven't heard it Mm -hmm. but it's also like that's I don't want to say that's something that's been done before, but like we have seen screen life before, and like we have seen yes. deafness captured on film before. I mean, hell, the the best picture winner at the Academy Awards this year was was a was a mm-hmm. deaf film. Yeah, but there's just something. I mean, again, this is what 2016. There's something that feels particularly innovative about this. Now, moving into I guess modern sensibilities, do you know if they use deaf actors for these roles? Yeah, so interestingly enough, because traditionally, if you're going to depict uh, any kind of disability, we've also talked about this a couple of times on Mm -hmm. the Patreon, specifically in our conversation around A Quiet Place 2. Right. If you're going to tell stories about the deaf community, they would like to be involved, shockingly enough, right? And apparently the plan was to cast primarily deaf actors but their funding was contingent on using students from the royal central drama school which Mm. meant that they ended up with about a 50 50 ratio but they did spend six months uh teaching the hearing 
actors, how to do British sign language. And they did that to try to make it look as convincing as possible. So I'd be curious to know if we have anyone who either knows sign language, and of course, this is British sign language, which is annoying that... Apparently, sign language is different all over the world. There isn't like a universal sign language, which surprised me to learn. So if anybody knows British sign language, we'd love to know whether or not uh, this comes off convincingly. Yeah, I mean, I'm inclined to believe it does. Also, all that time spent to train them, what is essentially in American dollars, a $14,000 budget. Like that is wild. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate that dedication, right? Because if you're not going to go and do the due diligence of casting the appropriate people. I appreciate that they spent the time to make sure that the hearing actors were able to do the job. Yes, and I mean, I don't know, maybe it's my place to say, but I'm inclined to forgive them. Again, given the fact that this is a short film, they are working on a budget, they had limitations. Like, that's... And again, it's really fucking good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think we'd have a different argument to make if this was a feature-length film that had considerably more, you know, dollars behind it, but... I'm interested, Trace, you keep talking about how much you enjoyed this and how well done it is. So what is it that really struck a chord for you? You mentioned the subway scene. Maybe unpack that. Yeah, no, I mean, the subway scene. So it's a thing where, okay, so we have these two women and they are are signing to each other, but the camera is doing this constant 360 spin around them. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of adding to our anxiety because we can... We know something's coming. <laughs> well, there isn't a score to this movie. And again, like, like the, the note below the video specifies, like, listen to this with headphones because the sound design is very um, meticulous and important to your enjoyment of this film, which I read that mm-hmm. about five minutes in. So I watched the, ha- the last half of this with my headphones on and the first half <laughs> without it. But yeah, we should note that it was done by sound designer, mixer, Callum Sample. And apparently the first half of the short it's simulating the experience of being a deaf person, and then it switches into more conventional sound design in the back half, but it has the there's an emphasis on bass so that deaf audiences could still get a sense of like the danger and the tension and that kind of stuff, which I thought was yeah. really interesting. Very, very interesting. But yeah, so during this 360 degree spin, again, so they are signing. So basically, mm-hmm. as these subtitles appear. The only words that we see on screen, because it gets hidden behind the actresses on screen, mm-hmm. but it's basically whatever whatever sign language they are using that we can see during whatever like part of the spin we're on, that's the words we're seeing in the subtitles. And I'm not doing a yeah. really good job of explaining this. It's You really need to see this to understand what I'm describing. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, I don't know if this has been done before. Maybe it has. I mean, I can't say. But I just thought that was really, really, really neat. And again, we're not... We're not getting the whole conversation, but we are getting enough to mm-hmm. understand what they are fighting about. Yeah. As much as I appreciated the other stories, none of them captured me in the same way as this particular sequence. And you're right. I think there's something novel about it. I think visually it's really arresting. And yet it's so easy to understand exactly what they're saying just from the the cut-off captions as well as their facial expressions and the way that they're signing. Like, it's so dynamic and really engaging. And then it ends when they have this very public display of affection. And then we get the pullout to reveal they're surrounded by dead people. Yeah. So, okay. um, what, What are your thoughts on the girl who is being molested by her stepfather? Because... Mm -hmm. 
I feel like, again, in a feature film version of this, that would kind of be her arc, right? Like, he's a zombie running around, so it has to culminate with her killing him. I feel like that's where we would go with this. Mm-hmm. Did it feel gratuitous to you in this short? Because we do get a scene of him uh, yeah. beginning to molest her. Yeah, it's very menacing. I felt like it was done reasonably well. I was trying mm-hmm. to figure out whether or not he was just possessive of her Because there's a moment where she asks the mom if she can go with her when she leaves to go to the store or run errands or something. And the dad doesn't convey that. And it's made clear that the the mom does not sign. So she doesn't understand the daughter. And in a feature-length version of this, we'd have a better understanding maybe of why the mom doesn't sign if this was a recent injury that had caused her deafness or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I was trying to figure out, okay, so the dad just lied or didn't do this. Is he trying to protect her or, oh. Yeah, because we get that kiss later. (laughs) Well, yeah, but even like, you know, when he's talking to her about the the rhythm, like he's trying to mimic the sounds of the music that she's Mm -hmm. listening to. I was trying to figure out whether there was a nefariousness to the way that he was touching her. And as soon as he started to touch her back, I thought, okay, yeah, now I know what this is. Well, and that's the thing. So I feel like, so as much as I love this as a potential cold open to a feature length film, I think, Mm -hmm. well, oh, actually no, because because we lose one of these people immediately at at the end of this, when the title card pops up. Yes. I actually think this would work better if you stretch this to the first act of the film. So we actually have four characters that we are following for let's say 30 minutes maybe 20 Mm -hmm. to flesh out because to to give more insight into their lives before the zombie apocalypse happens and yeah unfortunately one of these people will die at the when the title card hits at the end of the first act Mm. i think it's a really good way to do it like you know it's like your psycho thing right like you're setting them all up as your protagonist but we're gonna kill one of them off quote unquote right away yeah I'll confess, I I definitely understand where you're coming from, where mm-hmm. the short just ends right on the cusp of the beginning of this apocalypse. And you think, ooh, I want to know more. But I'll confess, we've talked so often about zombie apocalypses. And of course, we covered 28 Weeks Later just a couple of months ago for the, mm-hmm. our Patreon audio commentary. I just, I think it would be novel to watch deaf protagonists have to band together and figure out how to survive but also when the short ended i thought oh okay zombies i guess fine you know it's coming to that because of the title right it's a play on dawn of the dead and so on but i guess i just found like the zombies were the least interesting thing about this short so i kind of appreciated that it just ended with that i I agree. I mean, you know me. I am also not a huge zombie fan, but we also discussed Midnight earlier this year, which, like, finds fun ways to deal with, like, the stalking, like, women in peril subgenre. So Mm -hmm. I don't care for zombie movies that much because, yes, I do think that they are kind of old hat. I think we've seen a lot. It's just a lot of the same shit for me. So Mm -hmm. while it may be crass to be like, oh, yeah, let's add, like, a deaf thing into the mix to be, like, to to change it up, that actually will cause these filmmakers to have to find creative ways to play with sound, to play with right. suspenseful set pieces. I Again, like think of that scene in, in Midnight when she is trying to get out of the, the parking garage and she's jamming on that uh, the door handle that's squeaking so loud, alerting the killer right. to her presence. Stuff like that in a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, you know, now that you're unpacking it and elaborating on it and, and pushing back gently, 
Yeah, if we're thinking about a mixture of the visual direction of Midnight with the kind of sound design of A Quiet Place, Mm. I I definitely could see the possibilities. And you're right, it would force filmmakers to up their game and do something innovative and different because it's like, okay, well, you also now have to really work harder to not just make it convincing, but also you're going to have to cast fresh people. And that would be exciting. Well, and and again, I'm not saying that if we get a feature film version of this, it'll be another Midnight, because as everyone knows, we loved Midnight. But again, you tell me, oh, it's a zombie film. I'm like, okay. But you say, oh, it's a zombie film with an entirely deaf cast of characters. I'm like, oh. Right. Suddenly you've got my attention. (laughs) Yeah. So again, uh, basically, do I think it will be good? Eh, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe so. But Am I more inclined to be like, oh, I'm intrigued by this? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, we've seen representation from the disability community uh, increasing incrementally, not quite fast Mm -hmm. enough, and it can still be done poorly. But uh, yeah, I think if nothing else, we've seen some really intriguing stories come out of the last couple of years. And I would love to see that continue, especially if it starts to get us different ideas or different takes on the same kind of familiar stories that we've frankly grown bored with. Well, also, too, because when you think about it, like, again, uh, Romero's Dawn of the Dead has that social commentary with consumerism. Mm-hmm. The film's title is Dawn of the Deaf, not Dawn of the Dead, which obviously I know why it's not Dawn of the Dead, but this is the deaf uprising of sorts, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> the deaf inherit the earth, yes. But you can have, like, yeah, the social commentary, like, yeah, look, look, they are heard more by zombies than they were by by the living. So I think that's an interesting avenue you could take with this. Um, but mm-hmm. I also think that the reason it hasn't been made into a feature is because I just think that, um, as you said, like, you know, we want to cast a lot of actors with disabilities that are deaf in this. And I don't know, is it an insurance thing? Is it a, a convenience thing? Is it a money thing? A training thing? I don't know. There's probably a lot of factors where a studio's like, um, that's too much trouble than what it's worth or something. Yeah, which if that is the truth is kind of garbage shit. Because okay. it's like, oh, I don't want to put in the time and effort or it's going to cost a little bit more to tell an interesting, authentic story with deaf actors. Fuck you then. Oh, yeah. Again, I'm just like, I know, my mindset is... <laughs> Well, because I'm like, this is this is a great proof of concept. Why hasn't mm-hmm. this been made? Why hasn't it happened? Yeah. And and maybe the answer is the pandemic. Maybe this was on the table and then the pandemic started and we get host instead. And it maybe. takes Savage in a different direction. But it is probably the most proof of concept short that we have yes. covered in Microqueers. But at the same time, having seen it, yeah, it's like, okay, well, it's there. It exists. It works really fucking well. Where is the feature? Yeah. Well, listeners, um, why don't you think on that and let us know. And let us know what you thought of Dawn of the Deaf. Because, um, I mean, again, with this and host, I believe in Savage's talents here. So, Yeah, yeah. When directed towards good, he can be very effective. Agreed. I will stick with that and leave it there. So, <laughs> <laughs> Until our next month, everyone, I think we could cross out Dawn of the Deaf. Indeed, and Carasso Microqueers.